For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, hey now, welcome to a brand new week, brand new episode of Over the Line, the podcast, yeah, overthelineshow.com, as you guys know, hook that up, also it's got all our social media stuff on there as you know. You guys see, uh, I'm sure you've noticed that this is a brand new time slot, and I'll explain that to you guys uh, why we're doing that here in a minute. Already getting the roll tides this morning from people, because tonight, Alabama Clemson uh, part, is this part four? Is this the fourth Alabama Clemson or... Everybody keeps saying it's the fourth one. I thought it was the third one. I thought they've played twice in the national championship. And this is the third Alabama-Clemson game in like four years. Am am I wrong on that? Somebody can correct me. I'm probably wrong. Nonetheless, uh, that's the game. If y'all want me to go with my prediction on what will happen tonight, I'm just going to have to say... Alabama's going to win, and it's not because I want to say that. And, and and really, if Alabama wins, I don't care. I, and really, it doesn't bother me if they win. Uh, I've just, 
everybody knows the hatred between Tennessee and Alabama, and, and you're not a real college football fan if, if you don't have that hatred, unless you're like my girlfriend and you're kind of tied to both teams. She doesn't count. So um, even outside of that, this is the best Alabama team I've ever seen in my whole life, and I've been watching Alabama since I was old enough to understand football. I don't think this team is going to be able to, to – to, I don't think they're going to get beaten. I think Clemson's a good team. I think Clemson is no less than the third best team in the country, maybe the second best team in the country. But they're no, um, they're no match for Alabama. And so, congratulations. I'll, I'll go ahead and give Alabama congratulations before the game even gets kicked off. So, outside of that new time slot, as you notice, um, the reason we did that is because uh, of – Basically, life. Life gets in the way. And, and it, you guys that have followed this show since we started doing it, you know that it's been a struggle. It, it's, it's, it'll make your head spin trying to keep up with the show. When it is, what time it is, all that kind of stuff, because we just we can't get it down. And it's because of adjustments. Once you go from one career or one job to the next, you have to kind of – you know, reconstruct how you do everything, your your schedule at least. So trying to fit this in and the new way of making a living and all that kind of stuff, it's it's been hit or miss, and we've been just trying to figure out what the best solution is. And, and for now, I think this is it. I think this is the best way to do it um, in order for me to go out and make money outside of this and actually survive. If I don't, then I'm not going to survive, and then I'm going to be dead from starvation, and then I'm not going to be able to do the show, because you can't do a podcast if you're dead. Uh, for those of you that were concerned about the Michael Hart show, about the Scott Beeson show, um, I've talked to both of those guys. I talked to both of them before I even uh, put any of this out there, and they understood, and they're completely cool with it. And actually, we've got some cool ideas that we're going to do where we may do some simulcasting where we're on each other's show at the same time. So you can listen to one show or the other uh, and hear both hosts, and it'll be kind of cool. Outside of that, uh, if you are fretting over who to listen to, here's what I suggest. Go listen to Michael Hart or go listen to Scott Beeson live, and then after the fact, go to Spotify, go to Apple Podcasts, pull up this show, which is posted almost immediately after the show, and listen to it there. Then you can listen to it at your own convenience. It's a beautiful thing. It's why we do this. There's also a feature, and, and I'm not in the business of doing this. I, I, I absolutely despise uh, doing this. And I'm, I'm not technically asking for anybody to do anything, but to, to, to put, put it out there that the option's there, because I've been encouraged over and over to do this if you go to the main hub of where our show is distributed and and i think even on apple Podcasts and spotify they've got the link for it it's it's a website called anchor and they give you an option to contribute to monetary donations to the show and i just want to put it out there so you guys know that's there that's not saying you have to or even need to do anything but know that that is there if you want to contribute anything to the show, that will then be invested back into the show. Because this thing, you know, obviously it costs money to do and all that kind of stuff. So 
Uh, that's out there. You can find all that stuff on Anchor. You can find it on podcast and Apple, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Uh, just look up over the line. It is there for your pleasure. So, with all that, we have got a lot of news to get to because we're in day like 12, 13, 14, 15 of the government shutdown, and it's absolutely craziness. Um, I got sick, as you guys know, on Thursday, and I really beat myself up for for not doing the show, even though I was sick. I could sit out here with like a garbage can and just toughed it out, but I didn't. Uh, but Thursday was the day that the new Congress was sworn in. The new members of the House, the Democrats, Democrat members of the House, took over in a very bizarre fashion. Now, I know when it's very important for a particular party, whether it's Republicans or Democrats, when they take over the House or they take over the Senate, when they get sworn in, they, it's a big celebration and people are clapping. But this had a different feel. This one was just kind of weird in the sense that the Democrats felt like they had won the Super Bowl. And I didn't really understand that because it's not like they won the House and the Senate. They just won the House. And they have just as much power as the Senate, which is still run by Republicans. So they can't really get anything done. So I I, I just couldn't wrap my mind around not only the way they acted while they were being sworn into Congress, but the way the media treated the whole thing. You, you Seriously, you would have thought that it was a, a Super Bowl parade. It was, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It was bizarre. So we're going to talk about some of that. We're going to talk about the shutdown, what that means, and uh, plenty of other things. I want to start off with... Donald Trump this morning, and I guess I need to go to Twitter and just make sure he hasn't fired off any more tweets since I last looked. But I checked um, this morning, and it literally, probably an hour ago, he fired off some tweets uh, about the news media. And some of these tweets, they speak so much truth. So much truth. Um, yeah, he's fired off a bunch more tweets. Here we go. I'll start off with what I saw first. First off, this morning, here's what he puts out there. He says, with all of the success that our country is having, including the just-released job numbers, which are off the charts, the fake news, totally dishonest media uh, concerning me and my presidency has never been worse. Many have become crazed lunatics who have given up on the truth. The fake news will knowingly lie and demean in order to, uh, in, in order, he's like, oh, this is all chopped up, and I think he's messed up grammatically on some of these. Uh, the fake news media will knowingly lie and demean in order to make the tremendous success of the Trump administration and me look as bad as possible. They use non-existent sources and write stories that are total fiction. Our country is doing well, so well. Yet, this is a sad day in America. The fake news media in our country is the real opposition party. It is truly the enemy of the people. We must bring honesty back to journalism and reporting. Okay. Now, here's what I want to point out. Because I watched on Saturday this video uh, called 
the greatest troll of all time, or the greatest troll in the world. And it was a guy that basically uh, narrated the story of Donald Trump starting from his his early days on the campaign trail, announcing his presidency, actually even before that, moving on into the, the campaign and then taking the Republican nomination and becoming the, the president. And how he was a master at trolling not only his opponents on the campaign trail, but trolling the media to get a return. That return was millions and millions of dollars in free advertising. That was no coincidence that he did that. He knew exactly what he was doing. And so since he was running a campaign where he was spending his own money, he said... Let's save as much money as possible because we know just from him being president, that's what he likes to do. He, he's, not a, he's not a wasteful spender. He's not. If there's a project that the government's doing, he says, let's see if we can do it the most affordable way. Same thing with Air Force One and all that. So you remember all that. He says, I'm going to run for president. And since I'm spending my money, let's save as much money as possible. If there's a way to get free advertising, let's do it. And that's what he did. He did it. He trolled the crap out of these people, and they constantly talked about him. And he, he's he's allowed them to whip themselves into a frenzy where not only they are are they promoting his cause, but they are they are delegitimizing themselves and their integrity. They're compromising their integrity, and they're breaking their trust with the American people, all because of what Donald Trump has forced them to do without them even noticing. And that's what I love about this guy. It's absolutely genius absolutely genius okay that uh we're gonna get to that in a little bit i want to talk about the wall there's plenty to get on that front plenty that's uh, happened over the weekend that that we need to uh to go over uh also the police officer and we didn't get to talk much about this but this is a huge story with with a lot of political implications because it it relates directly to why we need a border wall and that's that officer seeing out of um out of Newman, California. Well, you remember the story. The uh, police officer pulled somebody over uh, late December. I don't remember uh, the actual date. Maybe it was uh, oh, it was the day after Christmas. Okay, this officer pulls over uh, Gustavo Perez Ariaga, or whatever the scumbag's name is. Uh, he suspects the guy of drunk driving, so he pulls him over, and the illegal alien then shoots the police officer. Now, I'm not sure if he gets out of the car and shoots the cop as he's approaching the car, or he does it from the car, whatever. Those details are not clear, but he shoots and kills the officer. The officer makes it to the hospital and dies later. Um, so, that storyline has been transpiring as, as the manhunt went on for 50 hours before they found the guy. The funeral service uh, for this officer, absolutely amazing. Hundreds of police officers there, thousands of people from the community at this uh, this 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 funeral, this memorial service, and um, a, a beautiful service, but such a tragic, tragic situation because this officer is an immigrant himself, where his family came to the U.S. looking for the American dream, and here he was living the American dream, doing what he wanted to do, which was be a police officer, only to have his life taken by those people that did not do it right like he and his family did. 
We also found out, as the details started being released after they captured this guy, that the guy's family tried to smuggle him back across the border to keep him from being arrested and justice trying to keep justice from being served with him killing this police officer. It's absolutely, absolutely disgusting. Apparently, uh, this guy paid these people $400 to smuggle him from, from the U.S. across the, the border in California back to Mexico so he could face no consequences. And then probably after that, re-enter the country and commit uh, the same style offense, which is what happens time and time and time again. The people, uh, the people that were arrested and charged with trying to smuggle this cop killer back across the border, uh, one of his brothers, another brother, his girlfriend, a co-worker, uh, a family member, another family member, and another co-worker. Absolutely disgusting. And as far as I'm concerned, Charge the rest of those people that tried to smuggle him back to uh, Mexico. Charge all of those guys with the cops' murder as well. Why not? I ain't got a, I ain't got a problem. If, if we've got to, until we secure this border, I ain't got a problem with taxpayer money going to house these people in prison. I know that's a big debate for a lot of people. Where you say, well, I don't want to waste tax money on prisoners that are in there for marijuana or in there for this, that, and the other. So, uh... Let's just let them out or send them back to their country or whatever. No, I want I want to pay for this guy and these people that tried to allow him to get away from the consequences of what he did. I want I want to pay for those guys to rot in jail. And we can talk about letting them out when we get the wall built. Because these are the people that are re-entering this country after we deport them. Time and time again, re-entering this country. And that's what will happen if they send him back. If Obama was president, if Obama was president, I can almost guarantee you that we would have arrested this guy. Border Patrol would have arrested this guy, local authorities, whatever. They would have sent the guy to jail, given him a court date, allowed him to bond out, and then they would have probably released him. It's just a hunch. Maybe I'm wrong. All right. Uh, on the border wall, over the weekend, and I'll talk to you guys about this in a minute, Lindsey Graham was on uh, Face the Nation on CBS. And uh, my relationship with Lindsey Graham, not, not personally, I just... Like people I watch on TV, I feel like I have relationships with them. It's a love-hate relationship in the sense of for a long time, whether it's on the campaign trail or even before that, he he had this this demeanor that was very a very Jeff Flake demeanor, a very John McCain demeanor that really drove me crazy. And that 75% of the time, I couldn't agree with the guy because I felt like he was disingenuous. I feel like he was um, a madman, and he was just there to cause problems. But here we are two years into the Trump presidency, 
And I feel like Lindsey Graham is finally figuring it out. He's figuring out what the Trump agenda is all about. He's figuring out that the things that Donald Trump are implementing, they actually are conservative values. And they're common sense things that we used to all agree on. He's figuring out that they're the right things to do. And he's taking his Trump hater blinders off and saying, wow, you know, if I just don't oppose everything that the guy says or does, we could actually get some things done. He's having that realization, and uh, he made some great points on CBS's Face the Nation over the weekend. I want to play that for you when we get back after this. OverTheLineShow.com. Do not forget about that. At Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and Over the Line on Facebook, as you know. We'll be back right after this. How much I could take Then I saw the worst was over When I laid my eyes on you It was all that I could do To know my place Out of all the past illusions Out of all the dreams come true I was gone until I finally saw your face If you cry So, the president of Mexico yesterday, or the ex-president, whatever, whoever, he said, we will not pay for the wall, even consider paying for the wall. So, who's going to pay for the wall? 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 So I get a call from one of the reporters yesterday, and they said, the president of Mexico said, they will not, under any circumstances, pay for the wall. They said to me, what is your comment? I said, the wall just got 10 feet higher. It's true. It's true.
Okay, there's so much, and I'm only reminded about this stuff during the breaks. There's so much stuff to, to talk about. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to get to all of it because last night on MSNBC, and I had no idea that this was a thing or, or coming on TV, they're having a town hall with Nancy Pelosi. Joy Reid is the, the host. You remember Joy Reid, the person that bashes gay people and all that kind of stuff, but she still has a job at MSNBC, that one. She's having a town hall with MSNBC because she won the, the gavel. Now... When does this happen? Am, am I mistaken? Do, did I miss the the Paul Ryan town hall in the past that was made to be just this this grand big deal? Because honestly, it sounds like the m- most boring show I could possibly watch. But Nancy Pelosi gets her own TV show. Crowd full of people, excitement, electric, just absolutely crazy. And everybody's just all into Nancy Pelosi, and she's up there, and she's not making sense, and she's falling all over herself and having face spasms and all this kind of stuff. I heard somebody say what, the other day, they're like, what's wrong with her mouth? Like, she looks like she's constantly eating sunflower seeds with the shells. You know what Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds about right. Okay, I'll, I'll get to that in a moment because there's several points I want to make that I haven't really seen in the media today about what was said last night during that town hall. So I'll get to that in a minute. But first, I want to go back to the wall, and I want to go back to Lindsey Graham. And what Lindsey Graham uh, said this weekend on CBS Face the Nation. Here's the beginning of of that segment where they introduce Lindsey Graham uh, who joins us from Clemson uh, Senator Graham is someone uh, oh and he's a Clemson by the way just a heads up on that as we've been describing who, who speaks to the president um, often uh, shares his advice Senator did you speak to the president this weekend about the shutdown yeah, it was pretty clear to me that we're never going to have a deal unless we get a wall as part of it. Uh, Dick Durbin's a reasonable guy, but he's not leading this parade. We're having to negotiate with people who want to abolish ICE, not support ICE. We're having to negotiate with people who see the Border Patrol agents gassing children rather than defending our borders as professional law enforcement officers. And we're negotiating with people who will give us $1 for the wall, even though it's immoral, and accuse all of us who support a wall as part of border security is racist. As long as the radical left is in charge, we're never going to get anywhere. The president will compromise, but he will not capitulate. So that. So as long as the radical left is in charge, and this is so true, as long as the radical left is in charge, hold on, let me, I'm going to let him repeat it. I won't put words in for the wall, even though it's immoral, and accuse all of us who support a wall as part of 
border security is racist. As long as the radical left is in charge, we're never going to get anywhere. The president will compromise. As long as the radical left is in charge, we're never going to get anywhere. That is a true statement. Lindsey Graham is right on that front because these people, they're coming in as crazed animals. And you've already seen it. You already saw that Tlaib chick come in and she said, we're going to impeach this mf -er. Like, It's like they're out of their minds. Ocasio-Cortez like is coming in saying, we, we need to raise the, uh, the tax rate on the rich people uh, to 70%. 70%. I want to take 70% of their money. The same rich people that... Uh, they contribute to this economy. They provide jobs. They they produce goods. Those people, we want to tax them at 70%. Right. It's pretty genius. He also says that the president will compromise, but he will not capitulate. But he will not capitulate. So what he means by that is exactly what has happened thus far. The Trump administration and Donald Trump himself has compromised time and time and time again. Now, his compromise has been taken by the mainstream media and they've mocked him for his compromise. Instead of saying, oh, wow, he's actually trying to work with the Democrats like they would do with any Democrat president that was compromising with Republicans or vice versa. Anybody, really. They're taking Donald Trump compromising and trying to meet in the middle with Democrats, and they are mocking him for it. You heard last week, we played it right here on this show. They talked about, oh, he wanted $25 billion, which is a fake number. He wanted $25 billion, then he wanted $10 billion, now he wanted eight, and now he wants $5 billion, and then it was a concrete wall, and now it's a steel wall, and, and no wonder the Democrats can't compromise. It's a moving target. He can't decide what he wants. Really? All those, the, the, uh, all the changes that have been made as far as what Trump is asking for has been a direct result of him trying to meet in the middle with Democrats. And instead of the mainstream media saying, well, at least he's trying, they mock him for it because they will not give him credit with anything. I'm sorry, Senator Graham, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Please go ahead. So that's where we're at. But the people in the room are your colleague, Senator Durbin, uh, along with He's Speaker Pelosi. Well, he was on Friday. He was on Friday with they the president. Sent they sent staff people to do the negotiation. The vice president's in the room with a bunch of staffers. Today. Dick Durbin is a good guy. He's a reasonable guy. But Nancy Pelosi has made progress. She's gone from not a penny to a dollar. Nancy Pelosi sees the border crisis as manufactured. President Trump sees it as real. Until we see the same movie, you're never going to reach a conclusion. The president is right to dig in to get money for a wall as part of border security. It will not be a concrete wall. It will be steel barriers. And every plan I've supported in the past with Dick Durbin has had money for physical barriers, mm -hmm. including walls and fences, except now when Trump's president. Well, every deal in the past that Lindsey Graham and other Republicans have supported, proposed or uh, the other side's proposed, have involved putting up some sort of structure, some sort of physical barrier on the border. But now, a barrier is immoral, it's racist. 
and it is wasteful spending, according to the most wasteful spenders, to ever grace our government. Why? For one simple reason. Because Donald Trump is president of the United States. That's it. That's the only reason. And so Lindsey Graham just gets out there and he points it out. He says, hey, here's the deal. These guys aren't serious about it. They're not even, when we're trying to meet with them to find the compromise, they're not even coming in. They're not even coming into the meeting room. They're sending their staffers as if we're not good enough to sit in the same room with them and talk about this issue. As to say, this is not a serious issue, so we don't really have time for it. We got to go do other stuff. So we'll, we'll just send our staffers in there. Well, the vice president is sitting in the room. And they don't have enough integrity or respect to go in and sit in the room with the vice president and have a discussion about this issue. This is how deranged these Democrats are. This is how disgusting and how against the American people these guys are. Because the American people spoke. The American people voted for a border wall. And the Democrats are effectively getting up and saying, hey, we don't care what the American people want. We don't care what you voted for. We're going to shut it down. We are not giving you what you voted for. Yeah, we're going to talk about democracy and how we're trying to save the democracy from Donald Trump and Russia and all this kind of stuff. But where this democracy really matters, where this republic really matters, we're not down with that. We only like for the people to get what they ask for when we agree with what they ask for. You can ask for whatever you want. You can say, you know, we the people want this, that, and the other. But unless we agree with what you want, you can't have it. It's not going to happen. All the while, Trump is continuing to, to troll these people, get free publicity, as you know, and point out the absolute hypocrisy in the Democrats obstructing this. He sent out a tweet with quotes from Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. And this was on uh, January 6th, just what, um, is today the 7th? I think I posted that today was the 9th on this video. I'll have to change that. My apologies. <laughs> Some of you are like, what the crap? Is it? Is it Wednesday already? Um, so yesterday he tweeted this. He said, quote, We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. That quote attributed to Barack Obama in 2005 while he was a senator for the state of Illinois. Another quote. I voted when I was senator to build a barrier and try to prevent illegal immigrants from coming in. That quote attributed to Hillary Clinton in 2015. Three to four short years ago. That was like just yesterday that Hillary Clinton said that we needed to build a barrier, that she voted for it, and that we still needed it. My, how things have changed. Trump goes on to say the only reason they do not want a wall is that walls work. 
99% of our illegal border crossings will end. Crime in our country will go way down, and we will save billions of dollars a year. A properly planned and constructed wall will pay for itself many times a year. And he's right. If we put up that wall, it will pay for itself over and over and over and over. It will pay for itself multiple times per year. Yet the Democrats say, that's wasteful spending. Wasteful spending. How dare you try to spend $5.7 billion. Mm. It's crazy. It's it's absolutely insane. It's it's nothing more than what I've said a hundred times already. They don't want a wall because Donald Trump is president. Now, there's other reasons they don't want a wall. There's no doubt about it. They're the votes that they could possibly get. You know, they're constantly pushing for felons to have the right to vote. They're constantly pushing for immigrants, illegal immigrants, to have the right to vote. There's also... The the census issue, where if illegal immigration, illegal immigrants continue to pour into California, it's going to cause them to gain more congressional seats. Because the more populated their state is, the more congressional seats they get, which means the more votes they get on major issues that, that affect this entire country. That's another big reason Democrats want the border open. They want them pouring in, coming into leftist states, and and building that right, raising the population of that state, gaining more seats. I've told you guys this before. The Democrats look at it this way: if we can't win the office, or we can't win enough seats, we can't do that, this, that, the other. We'll just create more seats. We'll just we'll just make our own seats. That's what they do. That's how they do things. They, they they cannot get their way through the American people. Another thing I've told you time and time again: an up or down vote from the American people will not ever uh, allow them to implement some of the their craziest policies. So they have to go through scenarios like that. They have to go through scenarios like through the Supreme Court, which is why they lost their mind over Kavanaugh, why they lost their not their mind over Neil Gorsuch. Because if if they can't control the Supreme Court and pack it with wackadoodle liberals, they can't get some of their craziest policies through. Like immigration issues, like t- taxing the, the, the richest 1%. 70, 80, 90%. They can't do that. The American people will never have it. But they don't care what the American people think. They want to just push it on through. They know what's best for you. That's the way they view things. And I believe they honestly feel that way. They know what's best for you. You don't understand. We're in Washington. We're much smarter. We know better than you do. So allow us to make the decisions for you. It's why they want to so reliant on, on government, whether it's in the form of money, welfare, health care, whatever the case is. They want us to rely on them because they feel like they know what is best for us. They want to be representatives of the sheeple. 
and be able to shepherd the herd. The point of all that, reading those tweets to you uh, from Donald Trump, where he was quoting Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton, I wanted to play you this video, and it's a guy whose name is, um, what's the dude's name? I see him on uh, Twitter all the time. Benny Johnson. He's with the Daily Caller, or he's at least a contributor to the Daily Caller. He decided to go to Washington, D.C. and put an end to the myth or the rumors that Barack Obama actually had a wall around his house. Remember Donald Trump tweeted that out. It's something we talked about time and time again. He said, I want to go to his house and actually see, is there a wall around Barack Obama's house? Somebody that adamantly disagrees with building a wall on our southern border. I think it's a fair question to ask because Obama himself, he he's never commented on whether or not he's he's got a wall around his house. So I feel like we the people, we kind of need to know. So that's what this Benny Johnson guy from the Daily Caller decided to do. From Obama's house? I don't know. Because there are like seven walls preventing me from even finding out. Hey everyone, my name is Benny Johnson. I'm with the Daily Caller driving here uh, to go and try and figure out if we can bust a myth. Uh, the President of the United States says often that there's a 10-foot wall around Barack Obama's house. I'm gonna try to not Beto O'Rourke myself uh, while talking and driving, but we're going to go to Obama's home and figure out how big of a wall the former president actually has around his house. Is it, is it that big? Can we walk right in? Is this an exaggeration? Is it 10 feet tall? So we are here right outside of the, uh, not really outside of the Obama's house, actually, uh, at the road where Obama lives is completely blocked off. Both sides of the road is blocked off, which is very interesting. You can't even drive up to the front of the house. We're gonna see if we can walk up to the front of the house, but there's a sign over here that says no walking, and there's a police car, and there's a barricade. So uh, we were trying to show you uh, if there's a wall outside of Obama's house, trying to fact check that, but I'm wondering if we could even get past this wall. It's like a very big barricade and a, uh, you know, an armed officer. So basically, so basically, we can't even find out if Obama's got a wall around his house because there's a wall on Obama Street that prevents you from even getting to his house. Hey, officer, are we allowed to walk down here? No walking? Okay. So no public access. And if I tried to walk down there, you'd stop me for sure, right? Okay, so the officer just told me. Reporters are so funny. Um, just making double sure that if I do walk down here, are you going to stop me? And taser me. He would stop me if I tried to walk down the street. Uh, this is, I think, as close as we can get to the Obamas. He pointed me to the sign and told me we're not allowed to go down there. So. We can't even tell you if there's a tall wall in front of his house. I and mean, we can show you some recent photos, which we'll play in the video right now. And I'm six foot tall. Uh, the recent photos will show a security gate. It'll show uh, guards. It'll show Secret Service outside of the house. Uh, but oh, FedEx can come through. Hey, look at that. Hey, Was there a wall? 
Was there a wall? <laughs> he said no answer. So FedEx can't tell us if there's a wall outside of Obama's house. You can't even get to the front of Obama's house uh, to see how big the gate is, uh, even though you can sort of see it from the street here. We have fencing. Well, it looks like th three to four layers of fencing, some of it iron, some of it concrete. And then you have multiple other concrete barriers going down the street here. Uh, that's similar to what we saw on the other side. So uh, aside from that, you have orange cones. And then you have, again... Could you imagine anybody from the mainstream media, Jim Acosta, Anderson Cooper, anybody taking this to task, even with the intent of trying to prove Donald Trump wrong and saying that Obama has a wall around his house. Could you imagine them trying to go to Obama's house and risking the fact that they look stupid? They would be like, no way. We're not going to do that. Screw investigative journalism. Who needs that in 2019? God bless them, our United States Secret Service here who is going to uh, control who goes in and out of the street and uh, and boy do they have it blocked off well there is no way uh, that we are getting past uh, these guys there's no way we're even able to come within what seems like probably 500 feet would you say 500 feet of Obama's house if so if you wondered did Obama have a wall around his house we don't know because Obama has a wall around his street where your cops and Secret Service agents sit. Now, the recent photos he showed, I realize you guys can't see that, uh, but it does show walls. It shows a gate, and beside that gate is literally a guard shack that you would see in, you know, some larger gated communities. Uh, not just a regular guard, it's, it's an armed guard. Secret Service, I would assume. Which is okay. It's okay for former presidents to have secret service. It's okay for them to have a wall. We just want to know why he doesn't believe the rest of the country deserves a little bit of that protection. We're not even asking for the same kind of protection. We're not asking for each American to have a secret service member follow them around. All we're asking for is a wall on the southern border that is a drop in the bucket compared to what American taxpayers spend on other things. On things that uh, a majority of Americans don't even agree with and find despicable that their money's being spent on. $500 million a year to Planned Parenthood, one of the most corrupt organizations in this country. If you take what Planned Parenthood makes, let's see, and you want $5 billion, 10 years of Planned Parenthood funding would pay for the wall. So if we just shut down Planned Parenthood, take the money we're spending on them, wall's paid for in 10 years. Good to go. Why don't we do that? Why don't Republicans push for that? Say, so here's the evidence that Planned Parenthood is a corrupt organization that does not promote women's health, that really only does abortions and actually promotes abortions because abortions make them money because they can sell uh, dead babies on the backside. Why not do that? But here's what I think it's going to come down to. And, and Donald Trump has said this on a couple of occasions just over the past few days. He said that he's been thinking very strongly 
of declaring a national emergency at the border. What does that mean? That means Donald Trump would then be able to use his discretion as to whether or not we build a wall. If he declares it a national emergency, a situation that drastically affects our national security, he, the president, the person that the people of America voted for in 2016, the person we voted for to keep this country safe, then gets to make the decision if we build a border wall or not, if he declares it a national emergency. I don't have a problem with him trying to negotiate with Democrats. I think it's a good look, personally. I think it's probably the right thing to do initially. But in the next few days, in the next week, we can't keep the government shut down forever. If Democrats continue to act in the manner that they are acting now, because if you notice, they look like they are nowhere close to coming to any sort of compromise. They're mocking Donald Trump and they're mocking the American people by saying they will give $1 to the wall. If that demeanor does not change on the part of the Democrats, Donald Trump will really have no other choice than to declare a national emergency. He's just going to have to. And at that point, we're going to build the wall. Build the wall, baby. I supported Donald Trump allowing this government shutdown. He took responsibility for it, even though the blood is on the hands of the Democrats. Taking responsibility for the shutdown of the government is leadership, by the way. That's true leadership. But he did that, and here he is trying to compromise with the scumbags, the swamp creatures who have no intentions whatsoever of meeting in the middle or finding some sort of solution until they get their way. The wall, the no wall is that important to them. Having a wall is too much of a risk for them because it increases Donald Trump's chances of being reelected in 2020. That's why they're against it. I got more to talk about on that front. Phone number to get in, 646-668-2714. Also, overthelineshow.com. All of our social media you can find on there. Check it out. Want to email the show? Andrew at overthelineshow.com. We'll be back right after this.
Avenue. We've got entirely too many troublemakers here. It's going to change. Republican and Democrat, they have to take our community serious. We are united and we are demanding immigration reform now. If tomorrow they try to send us home, me niños and me wife, not going back to my homeland, not afraid to take your life. I will always love me Mexico, but live there no way, Jose. America has such amazing things like tall grass and a decent wind. Oye, big boy, habla español. I'm a proud illegal alien where I know my health care is free. And I will not get a green card. It's too much work for me and I proudly My homeland. I am crazy, I say. And snuck into the USA. I'm Barack Obama, and I endorse this record. Si se puede. Viva Obama. Viva Obama. Viva. Familias Unidas Seguras. Y este I will build a great, great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. just got 10 feet taller. Change me! No. 
we have some bad hombres here, and we're gonna get them out. No taxes for our jobs. The money we are accruing instead of ATMs, we send it home with Western Union. Nobody builds walls better than me. Believe me. Show.com. Little fun fact about me. I actually know somebody that dated uh, Tom Petty at one time. And actually, that person was the ins- inspiration for Last Dance with Mary Jane. There's probably only one other person that gets that. But that's okay, because it's funny to me. Again, over the line show.com. Number here, 646 668 2714. And over the line show.com. You can contact us in many ways on the website. You can also sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. Also, don't forget uh, if you go to Anchor or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, there is a way on there to. Uh, contribute monetary donations to the show that will then be invested back into the show to keep this bad boy going. So if you feel the need to do that, that's available for you. Uh, Just a couple of hours ago, I want to give you something Donald Trump tweeted because it relates to exactly what we talked about before the break. He said, Congressman Adam Smith, the new chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, just stated... Quote, yes, there is a provision in law that says a president can declare an emergency. It's been done a number of times. And then Donald Trump continues to say, no doubt, but let's get our deal done in Congress. Trump so badly wants to do this the right way. And not that going about declaring it a national emergency would be the wrong way. He's got every right to do that. But he wants to do it through Congress because it's the preferred way. It's the preferred way of the people. And that's who he's working for. Some days I feel like Donald Trump is the only person working for the people in Capitol Hill. He does have a lot of good people on his side in Congress and in the Senate. Unfortunately, he doesn't have enough on his side because Washington has been such a cesspool for so long 
that we've allowed people that have no interest in protecting the American people to stay there. I was watching the CNN documentary, the 90s. You know, they do that, the 70s and 80s and the 90s and the 2000s. And they, I think they just released the 90s or it's on Netflix or something. I can't remember. Anyway, I'm watching it. And, and as they're talking about the political side of like the mid-90s with Bill Clinton as president, the conflict in uh, Rwanda and all this other stuff, I, I'm seeing images and speeches from people in Congress and in the Senate that are still there. They're still there from the 90s. I'm, I'm seeing a much younger version of them. And I'm like, why in God's name are, are we allowing people to hold those offices for that long, especially after they've proven that they have no interest in doing what the American people asked them to do. Anyway, outside of that, uh, the, the latest tweet from Donald Trump an hour ago, the failing New York Times has knowingly written a very inaccurate story on my intentions on Syria. No different from in, no different from my original statements, we will be leaving at a proper pace while at the same time continuing to fight ISIS and doing all else that is prudent and necessary. He put dot, 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 dot after that, but there was not another tweet, so maybe he just felt like putting the dots on there. Maybe that's all that was. So, there you go on that front, the national emergency thing, which, uh, you know, if if I'm, if I'm, a, a betting man, and I've got a guess on how this thing is going to end and how this wall gets built, saying it does get built. I'm going to have to say that that's the route that has to be taken. The Democrats are showing no intention of compromising. And in the past, and this is this is why Donald Trump was elected, in the past, Democrats always got what they want. Democrats never had to compromise, which is why they're acting the way they are now. They're like, we've never had to compromise in the past. Why are we doing it? Why would we do it now? It was always the Republicans compromising. It was always the Republicans buckling and giving the Democrats what they want just so they could get a deal. Because the way these representatives and these these senators view success in Congress is by how much legislation they can get passed. So once, once election season comes around, they can say, well, my, my name was on this bill and that bill, and I got 50 pieces of legislation passed in, in my past two years, and blah, 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 blah. It's how they view success. But we, the American people, we don't care how much legislation you got passed. As long as the legislation you did get passed is the right legislation, that's all we care about. But Republicans are looking at numbers. They're looking at volume. So they always compromise, and the Democrats never have to. And it's why they're not compromising here. So much like a child, you let a child get away with uh, leaving their room dirty day after day after day after day, and then you finally have enough of it, and you say, you're going to clean up your room right now. Do it. No more. Not going to wait any longer. The kid's going to pitch a fit. Why is a kid pitching a fit? Well, because you didn't make them clean up their room before. Why are you doing it now? They got uncomfortable with the room being dirty. Democrats won't compromise. It's not in their DNA. It's not what they're used to. 
and they're not going to move out of their comfort zone. So national emergency, Willie, it will be. Donald Trump will have to declare that, I have a feeling. And the government needs to be reopened. I was in favor of it shutting down, and I, I, I don't regret that. I think that was the right thing to do. But we can't keep the government shut down forever. we got to find a solution. Donald Trump knows that. Really, the Democrats in Congress don't care if it's reopened or not because they don't care about the American people. They don't care about, uh, they, they don't care about the, the, the federal workers or anything like that. And they don't care about wasteful spending. I can't stress that enough. Democrats do not care about wasteful spending. Let me tell you just one small reason, one of millions of reasons Democrats don't care about wasteful spending. Are you aware that the House of Representatives, their daycare, is currently getting a $12 million taxpayer-funded expansion? Not that they're building a daycare for members of, of Congress, for their kids to, to stay at while mommy and daddy's at work. It's already there. But it's getting a $12 million expansion on behalf of the taxpayers. So as they battle over funding a wall to secure the border for people's children and their families, and their husbands, and their wives. There's part of a $12 million taxpayer-funded expansion of a daycare center for these children of House lawmakers and staff. It opened this past week, but they're going to be expanding it. That was quick. That was quick. That's why they don't care about wasteful spending. Disingenuous to the extreme. Speaking of disingenuous, and I, I mentioned that I was watching that 90s program, not the, the 90s, the CNN documentary last night. And there are parts of that documentary that are very CNN-ish, where it's obvious their bias is showing. You know, they paint Bill Clinton in a good light and... and this, that, and the other, and I could point out several instances, but I'll, I'll let you guys watch it on your own. It's a good documentary, but you have to deal with CNN's bullcrap through the thing from time to time. Um, there was one part of the documentary where they talked about the rise of gangster rap in hip-hop and the, the emergence of NWA and uh, the East and West Coast rap rivalry, Bad Boy Records, Puff Daddy, Notorious B.I.G., Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, all these people. And how that whole battle escalated into Biggie and Tupac both being killed, so on and so forth. And y'all remember the storyline. Very good part of that documentary. I was watching some of the parts where, where Snoop Dogg was on there, and he was just as OG as ever. He was like, you know, blank. Blank the, blank the East Coast, blank the police, blank the government, all this stuff. Just blank everything. He was your your typical gangster rap guy. Real tough and hard and not taking crap from anybody. And now, 
I, I watched that, and I thought to myself, man, I look at Snoop Dogg now and, try, and compare him to what he used to be. And now he's he's a political pundit. He's a he's a political pawn being used by the Democrat Party. He posted on Instagram just the other day about how if you agree with Donald Trump, use a piece of ish. He also calls Donald Trump the same thing. He says, blank you, Donald Trump. There are blue-collar, hard-working federal employees that aren't getting paid, that aren't getting to work because of this government shutdown. So blank you. I, I would love to play it. I didn't have time to edit all the language, so I'm not going to put it out there. But he goes on this rant about federal workers and how how awful it is that federal workers and federal employees aren't aren't getting paid snoop dog is in what alternate universe did i land in where snoop dog one of the originators of 90s hip-hop start talking about his admiration and concern over federal workers what what is this <laughs> This is crazy. This is madness. So Snoop Dogg is now a, a political savvy, eloquent genius on 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 civics and and governmental affairs. And if you ever need advice on how the government operates or what the government needs to be doing, just look to. Uh, I was trying to think of his real name. It's like Broderick something, isn't it? I can't remember. Just look to Snoop Dogg. He'll tell you all you need to know about what the government should be doing. Now, somebody that did agree with Trump, even though it took him a minute, was surprisingly Mitt Romney. And I, I don't know if I should go as far as say he he agrees agreed with Trump. I think that, that may be stretching it a little bit, but here's here's what happened. After almost 48 hours after this Rashida Tlaib, this new Democrat from Minnesota, called Donald Trump an MFer on a stage just after she was sworn into Congress. And even some 10 hours after media outlets started pointing out that Mitt Romney, the conscience of America, had said nothing about it. Romney finally found it within himself to condemn this, this vulgar attack on the President of the United States. Almost 48 hours after it happened, Mitt Romney, who just finished up that op-ed, his feelings for Donald Trump are not, and they're no secret, he finally found it within himself to say, you know, I guess that just, maybe that wasn't the right thing to say. So I'll just go ahead and say that was a no-no. Don't call the president in front of a large crowd of people in mf -er. That's not how we conduct ourselves in Congress. He said, Representative Tlaib 
took the politics of Washington deeper down the drain. Elected leaders should evaluate, not degrade, our public discourse. Now, to the point of this this lady calling Trump an MFR, saying we're going to impeach this MFR. And she said she said that to her child, which, hey, mom of the year material right there. Um, to that point, people will say, why are you so upset about that? And Donald Trump has said much worse, much worse. Remember the Billy Bush tapes. Remember him uh, saying the S word on, on stage at a campaign rally or whatever, calling a NFL players an SOB. Why is it any worse than that? Well, we shouldn't be encouraging any of that language. But the difference is for a brand new member to be sworn into her office, not while she's on the campaign trail, where American voters can actually see what her intentions are, to be sworn into office and then say that just after you're sworn in, it's unacceptable. You're the new kid on the block. You're the freshman. You have no business coming in here, acting like you're running the place, and saying things like that. That gets you nowhere. What are you going to do when it's time to actually meet with the president and get what you want? You've done called him an MFR. What are you going to do now? When, when, when Lindsey Graham says the radical left, when the la- radical left is in charge, we're not going to get anywhere. He's talking about people like this. This is the radical left. Nancy Pelosi was speaking at that town hall that I told you I watched last night on the MSNBC. It was hosted by Joy Reid. She was asked about those comments as well. And, of course, Joy Reid phrases the question where it's like, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. But just what do you think, Speaker Pelosi? And Pelosi basically says, well... I'm not in the censorship business. So although I'm a grandmother and I find that type of language sort of shocking, I don't censor people. This is the United States of America. I would never censor. So she goes on to say, instead of showing leadership and saying, hey, we don't act like that in Congress. She really shouldn't do that. You know, we're we're trying to be all professionals here. She said... Well, I just guess that's the way people talk now. I don't talk like that, but, you know, that's the way people talk these days. She completely condoned it. Nancy Pelosi is also part of the radical left. She also said things like the Affordable Health Care Act didn't work well because certain things, certain parts of it expired, which really just happened recently. But why didn't it work before that? But whatever. She says the ACA didn't work well because certain things inspired. She also said the reason it isn't working now is because Trump eliminated the individual mandate. And if we want Obamacare to work, that we have to re we have to redo it and we have to re implement. The individual mandate. 
the part of Obamacare where if you don't want health care, you have to pay a fine. You have to pay a tax. The same case that was struck down in, in, in Texas that's now making its way to other courts and will probably be reversed. Really, the, one of the worst parts of Obamacare. Nancy Pelosi says, well, we've got to put that back in there. We've got to punish people who don't want to subscribe to our way of health care. It's crazy. Absolutely insane. And one more thing on the radical left, and we're going to get out of here in a minute. Um, but I want to point out this uh, Representative Hank Johnson. And, and because we had a short week last week, I didn't really get to put this out there. Um, Hank Johnson got up at this NAACP event and absolutely trashed Donald Trump and, in particular, Trump supporters. He said, and this is just a couple excerpts, and I'll play them for you. He said, Trump supporters are older, they're less educated, they're less prosperous, they're dying early. They're dying early because of alcoholism, drug addiction, uh, they're dying because of poverty, and they're dying because of a broken heart over things not going their way. A representative in Congress said these things about Trump supporters. Now, Dan Crenshaw, if y'all know as the newest Republican Texas representative, he put out a video challenging Representative Hank Johnson and replaying some of his words. So I want to play Dan Crenshaw's video for you because what he said in his rebuttal to this is amazing. And, and if you're going to be an incoming representative, if you're going to be the new kid on the block, this is how you need to respond to things you don't agree with, not let's impeach this MFR. That's not the way things work. Not in this Congress. My colleague, Congressman Hank Johnson, had this to say recently. Much like Hitler took over the Nazi party, Trump has taken over the Republican Party. It's now known as the Trump Republican Party. Donald Trump supporters are older, less educated, less prosperous, and they are dying early. Their lifespans are decreasing, and many are dying from alcoholism, drug overdoses, liver disease, or simply a broken heart caused by economic despair. Okay, Mr. Johnson. President Trump is a lot of things, but he's not Hitler. He didn't kill millions of people. He didn't start a world war. He didn't have any concentration camps. And to accuse him of being Hitler is intellectually dishonest. And frankly, it's a huge insult to the millions of Jews who died under Nazi Germany. But if you want to insult President Trump, at least you're picking on somebody your own size. At least you're picking on somebody who can fight back. But you went on to insult, degrade, and demean tens of millions of Americans who voted for him. It's called them drug addicted, uneducated, unhappy alcoholics. This is a cowardly form of politics. No matter how much I will disagree with you in Congress, I will never ever insult the good Americans who voted for you. I will never paint an entire half of the country as deplorables or fools or the dregs of society. I'll never do it. 
And if I ever do, you better call me out on it because I can't imagine a worse form of leadership. These people are exercising their right and their voice the only way they can, which is through their vote. They don't have a TV show, they don't have a radio show, they don't have a weekly column or a big social media following, they have a vote. And you use your public platform to insult and demean them. This is not the behavior we expect from a member of Congress. So I'll leave you with this. Pick on somebody your own size. Pick on me if you like. My office will be right down the hall from yours. I'll see you in Washington. That's the way you respond if you're the new kid on the block. Those were absolutely absurd comments. I don't have to tell you that. You know. But that's what members of Congress, Democrat members of Congress, that's the way they view you. If you are, in fact, a Trump supporter, and I'm not assuming you guys are, I'm just saying, that you are drug-addicted alcoholics that are miserable people that are dying early, and also that you have this gleaming admiration for people that remind you of Adolf Hitler. That's not some radical, one-of-a-kind view in Congress on the Democrat side. That is the view of many, especially these new representatives in Congress. They view the people that voted for Trump in that way, in that light. And it's why they're so adamant about impeachment. They think that this was a fluke. This was an illegitimate election, an illegitimate win for Donald Trump. And that it's their job, it's their job to get him out of office. That's why people like billionaire, left-wing billionaire Tom Steyer is launching impeachment ads all over the country. He's been doing it for really the entirety of, uh, of, of Trump's presidency, but he's now spending millions of dollars in Iowa, which is a very important state when it comes to the election. He's spending millions of dollars putting ads on TVs in Iowa calling for the impeachment of the president. This right here is one of those ads put out by Tom, uh, Tom Steyer. The question isn't whether he should be impeached anymore. He's the most corrupt president in American history, and we all know it. The question now is, how fast can we move past this president so we can build a more just and prosperous future? Please join the more than six and a half million Americans who are demanding action now, because there's nothing more powerful than the unified voice of the American people. Together, we will make this happen. Need to impeach is responsible for the content of this ad. Aren't the people that want to impeach the president, aren't those the same people that, that hate billionaires and say they need to pay more money? Yet, they're expected to take the advice of this billionaire and impeach the president. Okay, got it. Uh, just trying to keep up, that's all. All right, here's the deal, guys. we got to get out of here. We have had a blast today. I appreciate each and every one of you guys hanging out, especially those that uh, that are listening to the show for the very first time. Make sure you keep up with us. We do this thing Monday through Thursday in our new time slot, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. Hopefully this Thursday we will have Andrew Pollock on the show 
Andrew Pollock, the father of Meadow Pollock, was tragically killed in the Parkland, Florida school shooting. I'll keep you updated on what transpires there. Uh, also, overthelineshow.com is the website. You can find us on Apple Podcast, on Spotify, and there's also that tab for you to contribute to the show if you wish. You should be able to find that. If you don't, if you got any questions, email me, Andrew at overthelineshow.com, or you can hook up any of our social media pages. It's all there on the website. Until tomorrow, see you, Coach.